Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you are interested in hanging out with me in person, I will be at the Wits Travel Creators Summit in Utah, April 11th to 14th, 2024. This is one of the premier events for travel enthusiasts, marketers, influencers, and change makers. Created by women, it is an annual event that centers all marginalized people in travel and more than 10 of my podcast guests will also be attending, so you'll have an opportunity to meet them as well. So if you'd like to come and hang out with us in person, I have secured you an $80 discount on your ticket. To get that discount, just go to themaverickshow.com slash wits. Once again, that's the maverickshow.com slash W-I-T-S and grab your discounted ticket there. Once you register, please DM me on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick and let me know that you're coming so that we can plan to link up at the summit. I look forward to meeting you there. And now here's a clip from what's coming up on today's episode. It was the first country ever that made me cry. I was at the airport upon my return sobbing. And I even recorded myself because I'm like, you're so stupid, Vanessa. Look at you crying right here in the middle of the airport. I was on the floor in the airport just crying because I was feeling, wow, look at you, Vanessa. Look at you. Not only do you live in New York, this actually makes me choke a little, makes me tear, but now you're here in China. No one in my family ever have even dreamt about going to China, let alone be in China. Today's most interesting location-independent entrepreneurs and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. I just want to start off by letting you know that I have narrowed down and compiled my top 10 smartphone apps that I use while traveling the world as a full-time digital nomad. I have put them together for you in a list with descriptions of what the app does, how I use it during my travels, along with a direct link so that you too can download the app onto your phone. Now, a lot of these apps I had no idea about until I ran into other digital nomads that showed me how to use them and they have been game changers. So if you would like to get my top 10 essential apps for digital nomads, you can go to the maverickshow.com slash apps. This is completely free. All it's going to ask you to do is enter your email, which will get you onto the Maverick Show's Monday Minute email newsletter list if you have not already subscribed. And then you can check them out. So just go to themaverickshow.com slash A-P-P-S. And now let's get into the episode. 
My guest today is Vanessa Fonder. She is a fierce and adventurous Dominicana with a passion for travel who has been to all seven continents, born and raised in the Dominican Republic. She has been a New York City educator for over 15 years and is a soul-led entrepreneur. She is the founder of the global community Latino World Travelers, with a mission to empower her Latin community to experience the world and diversify the face of travel. Her commitment to advocating for representation within the travel industry led her to also found the Latino Travel Fest, an annual travel conference where she amplifies the voices of the community and educates Latinos on how they can make travel part of their lives. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt, for the invitation. I'm excited to be here to share my story and also have a beautiful conversation with you. We're about to have fun. We are indeed. And we have agreed, even though we are not in person, we are still going to make this a virtual wine night. So let's start off by setting the scene and talking about where we are recording from today and what we are drinking. I am actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina this evening. And I have just opened a bottle of Valpolicella Ripasso from Italy. So I am going to be drinking through that this evening. But where are you, Vanessa? And what are you drinking? I live in Newark, New Jersey, and I am drinking white wine from the Renault Winery, which is here in New Jersey. And by the way, they are one of the only producers that can say they produce champagne in the U.S., Normally, you cannot call any sparkling wine champagne unless it's producing champagne in France, but this winery can. So I hope you can come one day and visit. I'll take you. They actually have a super interesting history. We will link up the Renault winery in the show notes so people can go and read a little bit about the history of that particular winery. It is actually a really fascinating story. I was just going through it myself. So very, very cool. And cheers to you. So I feel like a good place to start would be talking about how we met in person because we have hung out in person at the Nomadness Fest, which was last year. It happened to be in Louisville, Kentucky last year. Can you share a little bit about, for people that have never heard of Nomadness, a little bit about what it is and your special connection with that community? I joined that community Oof, about 12 years ago, the inception of that community, because I was craving to find a community where there were people of color that also loved to travel. And there weren't any really back then. I'm talking about 2012, so 11, 12 years ago. And I found this group and it was a blessing for me because it was people from all over the world who loved to travel. And I was like, oh, I found my place. Most of my friendships are from there, by the way. Like currently, the one of the uh, my bridesmen is from there. I mean, I have so many friends from there. <laughs> well, I feel like we need to tell at least one story from the Nomadness Fest last year. We linked up with an amazing group of people, including some of my podcast guests, by the way, who Maverick Show listeners know, like Alex Jimenez from Travel Fashion Girl, Hannah Dixon, like a whole bunch of us just kind of wound up together one night. And it was a pretty crazy and unexpected 
evening I feel in terms of where it led us because the vibe of No Madness is typically like a very hip hop cultural vibe, Afrobeat cultural vibe. This is the kind of music they're playing at the event. And this is kind of the, the cultural vibe that they're creating at the festival. And somehow our little handful group of people one evening started kind of wandering around getting some food and we're in Louisville, Kentucky, and we end up at this cowboy bar with a mechanical bull and like a rodeo theme. And it was literally culturally the opposite of the places we had been the whole evening. And there we are. And when we walked in, do you want to tell the rest of the story, Vanessa? Well, they wanted me to get on the bull, but I said, let's make it a bet. If you find a hat from me to wear from anyone here, I will get on. <laughs> so keep in mind, I would say a solid 50%-ish of the people in this bar were wearing cowboy hats. And so the deal was that if we could negotiate the cowboy hat for someone to lend it to you, you would then put the cowboy hat on and ride the mechanical bull, which was like the centerpiece of this bar. And so it was Hannah Dixon, big shout out to Hannah Dixon, who negotiated with one of the cowboys to lend you his cowboy hat. And how was the ride? It was... <laughs> So quick. It was horrible. <laughs> I am like, why did I agree to this? <laughs> and then I embarrassed myself because I fell right away in two seconds. Yeah. I mean, this is like a rodeo bucking bronco simulation, which of course you had never done before. So there you are with your cowboy hat on this bowl, mechanical bowl. And it just like two seconds, you were flying into the air and landing on the ground. But it was amazing. And I salute you for doing it. Yes. And by the way, know that the bet was in place to make it more difficult for them because I actually didn't want to go on the bull. And I'm like, okay. Most people say no about giving you the hat, but then at one point someone said yes. Yeah. Well, I think it's just the pure persuasion power of Hannah Dixon because I'll be honest, what happened was I went up to like three or four of them and I asked them, I said, hey, you know, she's willing to ride the mechanical bull, but she needs to borrow a cowboy hat. And people just said, no, 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 no. And I got turned down like four times. So I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. And you were about to get out of having to ride the bull. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Hannah Dixon with her amazing powers of persuasion, you know, she's like, oh, I think I can do this. And sure enough, she comes back in like 30 seconds. She's like, here you go. I found a cowboy. He's willing to lend you his hat. He was hilarious. <laughs> it was amazing. And that is the best too. <laughs> <laughs> she is amazing. What an amazing group we had that night. Well, Vanessa, I want to go back all the way and talk a little bit about the beginning of your journey and just give folks a little bit of context on you. Can you share a little bit about where you grew up in the Dominican Republic and talk a little bit about what your upbringing was like there? I came at 17 years old here to the U.S., but while I was there, I lived with my mom. My mom is a single mom and we are four kids. When I turned nine, she came to the U.S. to give us a better life, but we were left in the Dominican Republic with my grandmother and my uncle. So it was not only us four kids, but it was also three other cousins and one aunt and another uncle. And it, there were about 10 to 12 people in the house, plus people that come normally every day. 
because we have a in Dominican Republic we have an open door policy. You can come in whenever, unannounced. It's family, right? So yes, I lived with my grandmother from nine to seventeen. So the most important years, pivotal years, that affected me a lot because not only my father wasn't present, but my mother wasn't present either. But I know she was fighting to give us a better future. So that part I understood. You know, then we came to the U.S. at 17. She worked really hard selling pastelitos. Do you know what pastelitos are? It's like empanadas. On the snow with a supermarket cart going from a bodega to salon to all the little businesses selling those pastelitos so she can accumulate money and bring us here which is incredible. <laughs> Can you talk about how that transition was for you at age 17, moving from the Dominican Republic and settling in the U.S.? When I came, you will think, oh, it's going to be a culture shock. I actually came and it was a pretty easy transition. And I think it was more because I went to a school for immigrants so the school that I went, it was only for kids who had just arrived to the country. So there were kids from all over the world. There were no Americans whatsoever. So because of my classes were in Spanish, that made me feel comfortable. The transition wasn't as harsh. Now, when I went to college, the transition was harsh because <laughs> then everything was in English. And then I, I didn't have any friends. I went to school away to upstate New York. Because when I arrived, I came to New York, by the way. So you came to New York City and that was where you got your initial immersion. And what was it like interacting with, even though other folks spoke Spanish, they were immigrants from different countries. Everywhere. Yeah. What was that like for you? It was beautiful. I had friends that were Polish, Russians, Haitians. I mean, cultures that I've never even interacted with ever. The cultural events at that school were amazing. I learned so much about other cultures, diversity, things that I didn't experience in Dominican Republic at all. Yeah. And then when you move upstate New York, it gets a whole lot different. I know that because I went to high school in Buffalo, New York. Both my parents went to college in Rochester. My mom's from Binghamton originally. So we got all kind of connections all around New York State. So I got a sense of what that is like. Your mom is from Binghamton? She's from Binghamton. That's where I went to school, SUNY I know. You went to SUNY Binghamton. I know. It's amazing. She's going to get a kick about this when she listens to the podcast. I know. Big shout out to my mother, too, because I'm going to definitely tell her to listen to this episode. So, yeah, big shout out to Binghamton. But I have been there because that's where we used to go to visit my grandparents. My mom's parents lived there. And so we went to visit. So I've spent a whole bunch of time in Binghamton. And I can tell you. It's very different from New York City. So can you share a little bit about that transition from New York to some of these upstate areas that you spent time? Well, the good thing about me is that wherever I go, I always try to find community. <laughs> so even when I first went to Delhi, because I went to SUNY Delhi first, I found the only 18 Dominicans that were in the entire school. And we form a little group. <laughs> So all the activities that we did were together. Then when I transferred to Binghamton, I joined a sorority and a Latino sorority. So I, I was always like trying to find something that looks familiar to me, even though I was in an unknown place 
that that is very different than my normal. When you think back through these different periods of your life and the different experiences and places where you lived, how did your interest in world travel develop? Like how far back do you trace that? Where did that come from? Well, there was a little peak the day I came to the U.S. Why? Because I met a guy from Norway at the airport. I just kept looking at him and I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen someone like him. He was very tall, very white, blue eyes. And I was just staring at him at the airport. I was 17 and I, he was my, like in Dominican Republic coming to the U.S. He was coming to New York as well. And all of a sudden we start talking. He spoke Spanish, by the way, too. And we exchange information and we actually still are still friends. That's one of my longest friendships since then. And I'm like, oh, what does he mean? I, he invited me to Norway one time. I couldn't make it, but I'm like, traveling is expensive. And I didn't know anything about traveling until he brought it up to go to visit him. And I knew that I couldn't afford it. And I'm like, oh, traveling is for rich people. It's something that is not for me. I cannot really jump on a plane and go to Norway, you know? And that's when I knew, oh, you need a visa to go there. I'm like, what? You need a visa? Because I had the Dominican passport, remember? Then when I went to college, I saw my sorority sisters and they were traveling to Senegal to study abroad. And I asked them questions and it piqued my curiosity even more. I'm like, okay, what is this thing, study abroad? I didn't even know what that was. And once they explained it and they told me, look, there are scholarships that you can apply to that can help you. And I'm like, really? So I mentioned it to a professor and I did more research, went to financial aid and I figured it out. And I was able my senior year to go to study abroad to Spain. And then I took two weekend trips to France and Portugal as well. I'm like, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to make it, you know. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that experience. Where in Spain were you based and what were some of the highlights for you? What was that experience like at that age for you? I was in Madrid and we were actually staying in a convent, which was very interesting. Of course, when I get there, the first thing I do, I find the Dominican neighborhood there. Started meeting a whole bunch of people from there and they were taking me out to different places. Oh, see this place, this other place. And I had a blast. The best experience of my life up until then. And that's what sparked my interest. I started traveling since that moment. I have never stopped because I enjoyed it so much that I'm like, I need to do this. I need to do this. So what were your next moves when you came back from the study abroad experience? Can you talk a little bit then about the impact that it had and then how that shaped the trajectory and where you went next? So that was in 2006. And after that, I went to grad school. I had a friend from college. She's also a sorority sister and she was living in Miami. So I started with, you know, when people are young, Miami is the spot. <laughs> so it was great that she lived there because she was attending college there. So I went often to Miami. And one day we decided, what if we go international? And we did. So we went to Russia, Egypt, and the UAE. I'm like, how did you jump from traveling to Miami to jump into Russia? 
What were those experiences like? Can you talk about those? And what was the UAE experience like for you? It was beautiful. It was in the middle of Ramadan and experiencing Ramadan while there, going to the dinners that they had. It was hot. Like as soon as you come out of the hotel, your glasses will fog and and the food was delicious. Abu Dhabi, Dubai, like incredible cities. I mean, now they have developed even more. But back then, it, it was so interesting to learn about how different they live. Like I've never really interacted like that with people of that culture. Well, the thing that I also find super interesting about Dubai, and I've been a couple times, is how diverse it is among recent immigrants from countries all over the world. I mean, it is amazing. It's what I love, of course, about New York City, obviously, is it's the whole planet condensed into one city, which is amazing and magical and beautiful in every way. And Dubai is obviously a much newer city and the immigrants, they've moved there much more recently than many of the people in New York. But it was unbelievable in terms of just the types of people you encounter, the conversations that you have. And if you're a traveler, you have been to so many of the countries that these folks are from. And then you can just start talking to them about their home country, which they were in maybe just a few years ago. And now they're there. And I just found it to be like a super fascinating place with really interesting conversations. Yes. I met there a guy from Lebanon and the stories he will tell me about Lebanon I was like, I want to go there now. (laughs) I also want to hear about your experience in Egypt because I have spent a whole bunch of time in Egypt. I've been a few times. I lived there for almost a year consecutively in Cairo. Can you share a little bit about what the first trip to Egypt was like? So we went first to Alexandria and it was beautiful. The people were amazing. The beach, incredible. And then we had to take a train to go to Cairo. No one spoke English. And the language barrier was, I don't even know how we bought the ticket. We just figured it out at some point that, oh, tickets to Cairo, I guess. Even inside the train, talking to people inside that were also traveling, that was very interesting. When we arrived there, we noticed like how much security. It was like a lot of dogs checking the cars. You couldn't really drink. We had to do things hiding in a way. But other than that, I had a beautiful time in Egypt. And that's why I decided to go back because I'm like, I need to see this again. This is beautiful. And I took the opportunity when a friend of mine was teaching there to go for like about a month. And that was great because then I got to go to other cities more south of Egypt. So and and actually learn about the history and, and experience the Valley of Kings and things like that, right? Yeah, it's amazing. If you can spend a lot of time in Egypt, you really, first of all, I feel like it takes you a while to just sort of acclimate to Cairo because it can really be overwhelming if you've never been to a city like Cairo. (laughs) I mean, it can kind of be an overwhelming sensory experience in terms of like how intense and frenetic and seemingly chaotic everything is. And so it takes you a little while, I think, to acclimate there, at least for me, it did, you know, but once you live there and you're able to sort of immerse in that and just be a part of that, and then you start to understand 
that it's not quite as, or maybe it is as chaotic as it seems, but it's, there's a level of organization to the chaos and things move in a particular way. And if you can just move with them, you start to understand how the city works and then you can just find amazing and magical things there. And then, as you said, to go to other parts of the country, right? And to go down to Luxor and to go down to Aswan. And did you get all the way down to Aswan? Did you stay with the Nubians? And did you get down to that part of Southern Egypt? Yes, yes. The good thing about traveling to these countries that you said could be chaotic is that it's the same as Dominican Republic. <laughs> and I grew up in it. So when I go to it, it's like, oh, I'm coming home. It feels like that to me. Exactly. And that's why I said if you haven't been to something like that before, because once you've spent extended time in a place like that, then when you go to Phnom Penh, Cambodia, or you go to Delhi in India, or you go to these other places, you know, you're like, okay, I have a reference point here. Like, I understand what's happening here. Like, this is, you know, I've seen this before. But when you go to your first place like that, I mean, I can remember because I went to Phnom Penh, Cambodia with a bunch of people. I was on a remote year uh, program and I was traveling with these other remote professionals. And some people had never been to a city like that before. Right. And it was just, it was very overwhelming because it was, there were places in the city where like, you can't walk, the motorcycles are driving on the sidewalk. There's all, I mean, it just seems to be like, there's no traffic lights. You can't cross the street. It, it's just appears to be very, very different from anything that you've seen before. But I'm like, Oh, this is just like Cairo. Like I know how to do this. Like not a problem. Street yeah. lights are just a suggestion. Yeah. Street lights <laughs> are a suggestion. If that they're more decorative than functional, but you know, Hey, you know, you're just, if you walk across the street, the cars will probably stop for you. So, you know, you just kind of do it. That is amazing. Well, the other thing that I definitely want to talk to you about, I know has been a huge part of your life is being an educator. Can you talk a little bit about, first of all, how that decision came about, how you decided to pursue that profession of teaching, and then the amazingness of how you integrated travel with your students into your teaching? Of course, I'm excited. So teaching came about, I was an undergrad at Binghamton and I saw my sorority sisters going to grad school, doing masters and PhDs. And I was like, I'm smart. I think I'm pretty smart. If they're doing it, I think I can do it too. So there comes the representation part. When you see yourself represented in other people doing things that you aspire to, you feel it is obtainable. That's why I fight so much for representation in travel. Because if you can see yourself, then you feel you can do it too. So seeing my sorority sisters gave me the idea that I can do it too, you know? And I apply to both SUNY Binghamton and SUNY Albany to do a master's in Latin American literature. When I was in Spain, because it was that summer of graduation that I went to Spain for the study abroad, both schools accepted me for their master's programs. And I was like, oh, so what am I going to do? Stay in the school that I already know or go to the school that I don't know yet? And I said, I'm going to go to the school that I don't know yet so it could be a new adventure, a fresh start. So I went to SUNY Albany and the Thing is, they pay for my tuition if I taught a class. And I said, okay, I can teach a class for the undergraduates. It was like a stipend kind of thing in exchange for me teaching because I had experience because I was the assistant of a professor at Binghamton. So I had a little bit of experience with teaching and assisting teachers, professors. So that's why they offer that at the university level for me. So I did it, loved it. And I said, 
when I graduated, I said, what am I going to do with this degree? What is there to really do with Latin American literature degree? And my, the founder of my sorority said, well, you can teach Spanish. I'm going to recommend you for a maternity leave position at an independent school in New Jersey and tell me if you like it. So I did it for a year. I loved it. So to tell you the answer, I became a teacher almost by accident because they gave me the position in SUNY Albany. And then I'm like, what am I going to do with this degree? <laughs> and since I love the experience, I said, oh, since I'm going to become a teacher, I am going to get my license then. So I applied for the New York City Teaching Fellows Program, which is a program that you go to schools to acquire your master's degree in education at the same time that you're teaching. So it was great because I was earning teacher salary while attending school at the same time. And then from there, I started teaching. And I love, absolutely love my experience teaching. I started teaching at Pace High School, which is in Chinatown in New York City. My students were incredible. I loved them so much. I have so many relationships that I formed with them. When they graduated, like literally crushes my heart when they graduate because I'm like, they're not going to be here anymore. After I traveled to Spain, I spent literally all of my money in travel, all of my money. And including my teaching money, I will work extra hours on weekends in the summer and every single break I had, I travel and I will bring little candies or little toys to all 160 of my students. And I will prepare a presentation for them of my experience and I will share it with them and I will tell them one day I'm going to take you with me. And one day I asked my principal, can I take them on a trip? Because there was another teacher who was hosting trips, but he didn't want to host it anymore. And I said, can I take over, host the trips? And the principal said, go ahead, take it. That is amazing. So where was the first trip that you organized to take your students and what was it like? So because I am a Spanish teacher, I say I'm going to take you to Spain since it's the first country that captivated my heart. And we had an extension to go to Morocco as well. And it was so magical. I had about 20 students come on that trip. It was so magical because it was not only me experiencing the country all over again, but sharing it with them and seeing them experience a new country completely. Tasting like paella and people dancing and flamenco and it was just beautiful like the the warmth of the people there we went to so many different cities too each city was different we did scavenger hunts they learned about the history it was just beautiful and many of them kept traveling the next years too because they loved it so much they wanted to come back well, one of the things I love about what you did is instead of just taking students to the same place every single year, you diversified the places that you took students all over the world, which is entirely amazing. The next place I want to ask you about is a place I've never been, which is mainland China. I know that you have been there a couple times and it was one of the places that you ended up taking students. Can you talk about your first experience in mainland China, where you went and what it was like for you? So 
The reason why I went to China is because in order for me to host the trip with the students, I needed to use a specific company, EF Tours. I'm not sure if you have heard of them, but they offer the teachers that host the trips a training and the training could be in different countries. And I said, oh, can I go to the training in China? Because I've never been. And they said, of course, it's only four days, four days. So I flew all the way to China for four days to then come back. And I said, I don't care. I'm going. I, I want to see this country and I want to see what it's like. And, and who knows, maybe I can host a trip there in the future too. I went, one of my favorite countries ever, it became. It's just such a different culture. The food is so good. Even though I work in Chinatown. <laughs> It's still totally different, still totally different. And it made me feel so much gratitude when I went. It was the first country ever that made me cry. I was at the airport upon my return sobbing. And I even recorded myself because I'm like, you're so stupid. When I said, look at you crying right here in the middle of the airport. I was on the floor in the airport just crying because I was feeling, wow, look at you, Vanessa. Look at you. Not only you live in New York, this actually makes me choke, a little makes me tear, but now you're here in China. No one in my family ever have even dreamt about going to China, let alone be in China. And it was just that moment of, wow, look at where I am. Look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. In my wildest dreams, or even my mom's wildest dreams, because she came here, yes, to give us a better future, but she never thought that I was going to take it this far. And then from there, I said, I need to come back because these four days was not enough. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to plan a trip for my students. And I plan a trip for my students. And I also brought my mom on that trip. Wow, that's so amazing. Okay, so talk about that. Where in China did you go? What was the itinerary of the trip? And then what was it like to be there with your mom and with the students? So we went to Beijing, Xi'an, Shanghai, and then we went to Hong Kong as well. I mean, each city is completely different. The food even is completely different as well. And it was just experiencing all of this seeing my students open up their eyes to, wow, this is incredible. They are allowed to go to lunch outside the school. Meanwhile, they never even taste any food in Chinatown. But here they are in China, loving the food. And when they returned, told me, look what we're buying now because we taste it there. So it's opening their horizons, showing them that they could Try things. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But at least try it. I always like to push them out of their comfort zone so they can grow as humans, grow as people. You have taken your students to a number of countries now. You've taken them to Greece and Ireland and Rome and Paris and London and all of these places. Can you talk a little bit as you go on these trips with your students? And oftentimes, I'm sure for many of them, it's their first time 
out of the United States and experiencing a really different culture. Can you talk about the impact that you've seen on your students? Because I know you keep in touch with a lot of your students as well over the years. What impact do you think those trips have had on them? It just makes them think bigger. It gives them perspective of their place in the world and what can they do to make it better. It opens their mind to understanding that we are not the only ones and we're not the best ones or the worst ones, but we are part of the larger picture. And that's like, I think one of the most important things, I think, because sometimes we create a society that is very individualistic and we don't think about the other and going there and interacting with people, with locals gives you that perspective of how other people live. And like, we are all the same in a way, even though we're different, we're still the same. We're human beings who are looking to just live life and be happy. All right, I want to pause here and thank our sponsor, Galactic Fed, the award-winning digital marketing agency that I personally use and whose co-founders have both been interviewed on The Maverick Show, Zach Boyette and Irina Popic. Now, I personally use Galactic Fed for search engine optimization and conversion rate optimization, but they also offer services for email marketing, social media, website design, paid media, and more. They're basically a full-service end-to-end growth marketing solution. And they were founded by two digital nomads as a fully remote company, which now has 150 staff across 27 countries. So they understand remote entrepreneurs. What I love about working with Galactic Fed is, first of all, their team is fun and amazing, and I'm smiling and laughing on pretty much every call that we have, but I also love their scientific approach to growth marketing. They've worked with companies of all sizes and industries, ranging from edible arrangements to PixArt, and they've developed battle-tested digital marketing solutions that produce results that are scalable and repeatable. And Galactic Fed now wants to help you grow your business. They're offering you a completely free marketing plan for your business, which you can get at galacticfed.com. That's galacticfed.com. And if you decide to work with them like I do, just mention The Maverick Show and you'll get 10% off your first month of services. To learn more and get your completely free marketing plan for your business, just go to galacticfed.com. That's galacticfed.com. And now back to the episode. Well, I also want to ask you about your love story, Vanessa. Oh, we're switching to that now. We are diving into it because it's an amazing story. I think it dovetails with a lot of the different themes we've been discussing. Everything from your involvement with Nomadness Travel Tribe to your solo adventure travels and everything else. Can you talk about... I wanted to ask you about Australia, and then I thought, you know what? This will be also a good time to ask you about how you met your husband. So in the group Nomadness, I posted, I want to travel somewhere, but I'm thinking Australia. Is there anyone there? So when I get there, we could meet up. And two guys responded, we're here. We're in Sydney. When you get here, let us know. And I'm like, okay, great. So I make my first stop, which is in Auckland in New Zealand. Then I go to Cairns to dive, even though I don't know how to swim. 
<laughs> yeah, talk about that. Wait, let's let's tangent here for a moment. You wanted to go to the Great Barrier Reef to experience it, but you don't swim. I have to hear this story. So before let's let's go there for a minute. What happened? So I am a risk taker, as you can see. <laughs> I was traveling solo again, and I go to the Barrier Reef and. They said, do you know how to swim? And I said, no, but I still want to do it. So they tell me, well, as long as you pass the test. So the test is you have to take off your, how do you call this thing that you put in your mouth when you go diving? Your regulator you put in your mouth and attaches to the oxygen tank of your scuba tank. Yes. You have to be able to submerge yourself in the water, take it out and be able to put it back in without panicking or dying. (laughs) Because the goal is if you go down there, you need to be able to do that. I said, okay, I'm going to try it. The first time I freaked out. I was holding myself from the stairs that come down from the boat. I just came right back up. I'm like, oh my God, no. I don't know how I'm going to do this. The second time, I, again, I couldn't. The pressure of the water, I just couldn't. It was too much for me. And I just went back up. The third time, I'm like, Vanessa, the third time is the one. You got to do this. So I told the guy, model to me the pace in which I should be breathing after I put the, that piece that you mentioned in my mouth. This way, I'm not breathing crazily. I, I'm just like following your pattern and I can calm myself down. And he was like, okay. So I went down. We are there. I said, one, two, three, take it off, put it back in, follow his pace. I'm all good. I'm like, yes. Yes, I did it. (laughs) So I held his arm in one arm. The other one, I had the GoPro because I'm like, if I'm going to do this crazy thing, I need proof. (laughs) And it was so beautiful. I was able to touch the largest fish that is there. It's like a blue fish. And it was just magical to see. Wow, look at me doing things that (laughs) I never even thought I would ever do. Sitting on the ocean floor, touching different like animals that are down there, plants. And it was just like, wow, this is wild. This is crazy. I kept looking all around everywhere. I kept looking because it was so mesmerizing. And I just loved that experience. And after that, I went snorkeling because I'm like, oh, with a life jacket, though. (laughs) So then... You ended up connecting with your husband, how? What was the path crossing dynamic that occurred? Are you ready? (laughs) So in Cairns, when I'm on my way to go to Sydney in the airport, they said, I cannot, we cannot find your flight in the system. And I said, what do you mean? You cannot find it. And uh, they said, well, do you mind finding your confirmation number? Maybe we can figure it out this way. At the end, I had booked the wrong date. I thought I was flying Thursday 16 of February, and I was flying actually March 16 of February. So a total month difference, because apparently when February has 28 days, it looks like the calendar exactly the same as March. And I didn't catch that at all. And they say, well, you bought it through a third party. And that's the first and last time I ever bought a ticket through a third party. Because (laughs) they say, oh, we don't even have that class available. You will have to call them and they will have to rebook you. And I didn't know about 
travel insurance back then either. So they said, you can buy the brand new flight, but it's going to be five fifty. Mind you, the Auckland, Cairn, Sydney was three twenty five. The whole kind of round trip. And for that piece alone, they were charging me five fifty. So I started crying. I was so upset at myself. I'm like, how did you make this mistake? And I'm like, well, I need to go because at five o'clock, <laughs> I have an appointment to climb the Sydney Bridge. I'm like, I see that bridge every year in New Year's Eve when they do the fireworks and I need to be there at five today to climb that bridge. <laughs> so I bought the flight, got to Sydney, meet with the guys eventually, tell them the story. And they said, well, what credit card you bought it with? Maybe you can fight it. And I said, oh, I can. So I had just gotten a Delta American Express card and I needed to spend $2,000 to get the miles and that they were offering to, to get the sign-up bonus. So that's why I did the trip with that card. And they said, well, my homeboy just moved back to New York and he works in American Express. So when I got back to New York City, I told him, can you connect me with your friend? Maybe he can help me. And the rest is history. The rest is history. So my husband says that's the best mistake I've ever made. <laughs> it's amazing. And you two are so cute together. You have written, co-authored blog posts about the entire romantic trajectory from then on, which is amazing. And I think it's really one of the most amazing ultimate travel stories too, because you had that path crossing experience in Australia. You met in person in North America, you got engaged in Colombia, and then you got married in Thailand. So four continents between meeting and getting married with all these significant events, which has been amazing. Can you share a little bit about your wedding in Thailand, why you chose it and what it was like there? I chose it short answer because it was in my vision board. Long answer, my husband wanted to get married in February because I normally have a break for teachers during February and I wanted a summer wedding. So we were looking for destinations that had summer weather, warm weather during February months. And I looked at the board and I said, hmm, let me check Thailand. What's the weather there? And it's their warm season. So I said, Thailand it is. So I picked a destination without even knowing the country, never been there, nothing. I told everybody it's going to be there. And then when I finally went to visit to do the planning of the wedding, I was like, this might be too difficult. But people had already purchased flights. So I'm like, I can't back out now. <laughs> and I did it. I hosted it there eight months later. So it was fast. I planned the wedding really fast. And it was beautiful. 35 people came that had never even been to Asia at all. So that was also an experience for our entire families. They loved it. And it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. We had two ceremonies, a Western ceremony and also a Buddhist ceremony because we wanted to pay homage to the place that we were staying that we celebrate it. Yeah. Well, your wedding video highlight that's in your blog is absolutely amazing. I am going to encourage everybody to go and check it out. We, of course, will link up your blog in the show notes. I want to ask you about one more travel experience to a place that I have also not yet been, which is Antarctica. 
Can you talk about that trip? Again, it was in my vision board. <laughs> so I am very big on allowing myself to dream and not let anyone or anything or societal norms squash my dreams. And one of the things that I've been doing for many years is doing vision boards of what do I want for myself? And in my vision board of 2017, I put up Penguin and I said that I wanted to be in one of the best ships, enjoying it with great friends. I'm like, I'm not sure how it's going to happen because on a teacher's salary, yeah, Antarctica is not really on my budget. But the universe, you know, has a plan. And someone was raffling one space in one of their trips. So Haitian Nomad is a company that hosts many trips around the world. And one of their trips was to Antarctica. Their tickets were $99 each. And I purchased two tickets. There were over 200 people that purchased tickets. And I won. Wow. I was like crying like a baby. You don't understand what it is to manifest a dream. This happened in 2021. So it was four years later. And for $99, I won a $17,000 trip for 12 days in the latest chip of Quark Expeditions, which is the ultramarine that has two helicopters. It's literally like their latest chip. And to go in 2023, I mean, I, I can't even tell you. Describe what it was like for people like me that have never been to Antarctica, both the experience getting to Antarctica and then what was it like when you were there? What did you do? So I first arrived to Buenos Aires from New Jersey. Then I explored the city. It was gorgeous. Of course, Argentina is beautiful. And then we went to Ushuaia. We caught a plane to go to Ushuaia. There, we transferred onto the cruise, expedition cruise. So there, there is a difference. There are cruises, like Carnival now has cruises to go there, but you don't get off the boat. But then there are expedition cruises. As long as there are 125, I believe, or so, or less, those are the ones that you are actually allowed to get off. So make sure that when you're doing your research, that is a smaller kind of boat that actually gets off on the Zodiacs. So you can actually step on the land and see up close the wildlife. So we saw killer whales, I mean, humpback whales, different kinds of sea lions and leopard seals and penguins. I was dying when I saw the penguins. They're so beautiful and they're so clumsy, just like me. And I just love them. The whole trip, I was like, I just want to, Take a video of a penguin jumping from an iceberg into the water. And almost the last day I was able to catch one like that. But one where another one kicked a penguin and it fell in the water. And it was so funny. They are hilarious, but their poop smells so badly. <laughs> yes. 
when you see the 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 snow is not white anymore, that means it's all of their poop. <laughs> well, I also, of course, want to ask you about founding the Latino Travel Fest. And maybe before we talk about the fest, can you just give some context and talk about the community Latino World Travelers, which you founded first, and talk a little bit about what that community is and what the origin story was. I mentioned that I joined Nomadness 2012 because I wanted to travel, connect with people of color. But even though I love that community and like literally most of my friends are from there, I always felt like a void because I couldn't really speak Spanish. And that's my first language. And I couldn't really feel I didn't really feel represented back then there. Now there are more people in the community, but back then I didn't. So I said, I wonder if something like this exists for Latinos. And when I looked out there, it didn't exist. And I'm like, my people need to know about all of these flight deals. There was one flight to Dubai that they had for $187. I don't know if you remember. There was like a glitch. And there was another one to South Africa. And there were just so many glitches happening, people purchasing them. And I'm like, oh, my God, my people need to know about this, that there are ways that you can travel that don't have to be that expensive. There are tricks you can learn. There are ways you can maximize your credit card or or get points even without having to use credit cards. I mean, I've gotten points to the point where I went to Guatemala and pay 69 cents for a hotel per night without having to use credit cards because there are so many different ways of earning points and miles and all kinds of things, right? So I'm like, my community needs to know this. They need to know travel is accessible to them. Because when I was in college, I didn't think travel was accessible to me. But then I found a scholarship and I made it accessible. So I'm like, how can I start sharing these resources with people so they can see themselves represented and also they can see that travel is accessible for them too? I started the group in Facebook in 2015 and then evolved into me hosting trips for adults because they were like, you travel with your students. Why don't you do trips for us too, the adults? And I started hosting trips. I was able to host one to Spain. I always go back to Spain because I love Spain. (laughs) I've been about six times already. (laughs) And then I took them to Mexico for Dia de los Muertos, which was amazing. The second country that made me cry tears of joy. Talk about that. What was so impactful about the Mexico trip? Well, every year I thought about Dia de los Muertos as a Spanish teacher in my class. And I always said one day I want to be able to experience it in in real life and and going there with them and experiencing it in real life. When I was entering the Pantheon, seeing all of the flowers, the colors, the people, just joyful to be there. And it made me feel like, wow, I wonder what my ancestors are feeling, my grandma, my, my grandpa, what they're feeling and and how they wish they were remembered. It was just beautiful seeing how they celebrate their ancestors. That is not something to be scared about. That is not something that you should hide. It's just like, oh, celebrating the life of this person, even though they are not here with us anymore. And connecting with them in a deeper level. Yeah, I've interviewed a number of people on the podcast that have been to the Day of the Dead 
celebrations in Mexico and they have all just talked about how incredible they are. And I understand they're a little bit different in different places around Mexico, depending on where you go and where you experience. And I've interviewed some people that have gone intentionally to multiple different places to experience it year after year in different ways, because it's just so profound and impactful. Okay. Latino Travel Fest, can you talk about your decision to create a conference and what the first one was like last year? Because I had expanded the community, now I'm on Instagram. I have a lot of creators that are part of the community, influencers, and just different thought leaders, and attending different conferences myself. I saw that there was not representation of our community, not only attending the conferences, but also being speakers at conferences. So I'm like, okay, so this representation goes deep. There is none anywhere. So I said, okay, since they don't want to invite us to the table, I'm going to create the table. So in the middle of the pandemic, I decided to launch the fest virtually as a testing to see, oh, is this something that's really going to take off or not? And to give them a platform to ultimately reach the audience that I want to reach, which is the Latinos that are not traveling and how to get them involved in this movement. So it was incredible. It was a two-day conference back then. Beautiful, like incredible panels about any and every topic. I interviewed 300 people and I asked them, what are the reasons that you do not travel? And I created those panels to answer those questions that they had, to demystify all of those beliefs that they had. It was a labor of love, let me tell you. <laughs> a labor of love. And then this year, this past year, 2023, it was the third year. And I said, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to launch it in person for the first time. And I did it in New York City. I invested sweat, tears, all of my financial resources, everything, all of my network. I brought everybody in and it was super successful. It was incredible. I am so proud of the work that I did. We had two days, well, three days, technically, three days with panels and workshops, incredible conversations. People made great connections, relationships that are now like people are working together now in different projects because they met there. Um, and, and I'm like, that fills me up. Seeing my community engage, seeing them thriving, seeing them connecting with each other. Uh, I just love that. And, and I said, oh, I'm going to launch it next year again. And here I am planning it and I'm going to do it in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is pretty much my backyard. It's 10 minutes from me. Because my goal is to bring you from where I used to live, which is New York, to where I live now, which is New Jersey. And hopefully I can bring you to Dominican Republic and host it there too, <laughs> which is where I come from and have like that full circle moment. Well, I want you to know that Latino Travel Fest has, of course, been discussed before on The Maverick Show. I interviewed Alex Jimenez from Travel Fashion Girl, who was one of your keynotes from last year. And we opened up The Maverick Show talking about her experience at the Latino Travel Fest and how amazing and impactful and powerful it was. And so that really put it on my radar and put it on a lot of other people's radars. So talk about the 2024 event. When is is it happening and what can people expect from it? It's happening on May 31st to June 2nd. 
but we've been working on it all year round, by the way. We're going to have hands-on workshops. It's going to be three days. The first day is going to be for creators, people who want to enter that arena, become content creators, monetize their brand, are already travelers and just want to take it to the next level. On Saturday is for all travelers. We're going to have four different tracks for families community for travelers that are experienced and for travelers that are starting. So we're going to have a little bit of everything for everyone. And then on Sunday is an inspiration brunch and we also have an after party. So get ready because it's going to be a lot of people there from every walk of life and celebrating our Latino culture and meeting with other travelers. And and it's going to be incredible. There is no other conference like that in the whole world. Not even the U.S., in the whole world. There is not a conference targeting leisure travelers in the whole world. This is the first one ever. I am so excited for this event, and I understand it is open to everyone to attend. You don't have to be Latino in order to attend. It is open to allies and anybody that wants to immerse with your amazing community for a weekend, as I am very excited about doing. And I understand that you are willing to even offer a discount to Maverick Show listeners who want to come and hang out at the Latino Travel Fest. Absolutely. So you can go ahead and head to our page, www.latinotravelfest.com, buy your ticket and use the promo code Maverick. And your soul, you get 15% off your any ticket. So Amazing. We are going to link all of that up in the show notes, by the way, folks. So you can just go to themaverickshow.com, go to the show notes for this episode. We're going to have the direct link there with your discount code. Vanessa, I want to ask you, just reflecting back on all of the travel that you have done now and your personal journey, what impact do you think all of it has had on you as a person? It has made me a more compassionate person. It has made me just a person that understands global issues because sometimes in Dominican Republic, I had a very sheltered life, especially not living with my mom, living with my uncle and grandma who protected me from a lot. We didn't really watch TV like that. Education is not necessarily the best. So going out there and actually living in history and meeting other people from other cultures, it just opens up a world of possibilities for me. Tasting other foods, it made me a more risk taker. Like it made me want to open up my horizons, get out of my comfort zone. It helps me in other facets of my life, literally. And it just started because I'm like, let me travel solo because no one wanted to come with me. And I'm like, I'm not going to wait on people. I'm just going to go. So because I'm a risk taker and and I like to just do as much as I can, I inspire myself in the process. I'm like, look how far you have come. You can do more. Let's do something else. And you can do more and you can do more. So it made me kind of continue challenging myself to step out of my comfort zone. I read more and many different books now. I explore more. So what I want to do next is connect with the people more in the countries that I go, because sometimes I feel like I go to the tourist route, which is, oh, let me go to all the sightseeing and all of this. And yes, I'm going to try all the foods and all that. But now I want to travel differently. I want to like talk to the business owners, especially now that I'm a business owner too. 
talk to them, seeing what their journey is like. How is it different from country to country? If there is a difference or we do we all have the same struggles? I really want to connect more with the people now. So in my next phase of travel, that's what I want to do. Well, I also want to give you the props that you deserve and let folks know that you were nominated this year for a Bessie Award at the Wits Travel Creators Summit, where you and I are both going to be hanging out yet again. So if anybody wants to come and hang out with you and me, they can also come to the Wits Summit. But can you share a little bit just for folks that have never heard of this? What is the Wits Summit? What are the Bessie Awards? And what were you nominated and recognized for? So the Bessie Awards are awards where they nominate women who are taking the traveled forward. And because of the creation of my community and how I am pushing for representation, someone nominated me. I don't know who, because I don't nominate myself. Someone has to nominate me um, for my work. Uh, and they thought that I was deserving of being nominated for the Inclusion Award. And there are other two people that are nominated finalists among me. And I'm excited because I'm like, I'm going to put it in my vision board. I need to win this thing, right? Since everything in my vision board materializes. <laughs> I'm not here for the accolades, really. I'm just here really because I believe in this and, and I'm passionate about it. And my goal is to one day open a magazine and see Latinos in the magazine. I've never been able to do that. I've never been able to watch a show and it being a Latino on the show, on a travel show in a channel. I've never been able to do that. Well, you are very much deserving of this nomination. And for folks that do not know about the Wits Summit, it is put on by Wonderful, which is an amazing organization. I've interviewed the founder, Beth Santos, on The Maverick Show. Tons of amazing people involved with that organization. And the Wits Summit is happening in Utah. It's happening in April. You and I are both going to be there hanging out again. I don't know if we're going to find another mechanical bull cowboy rodeo situation, but I'm sure we'll get into something, though. And there's going to be a bunch of Maverick Show podcast guests attending the Wits Summit as well. So if anybody listening wants to join Vanessa and myself and other Maverick Show guests and hang out in Utah there, it is really, really going to be an incredible event. I will also put a link where you can get a discount on your ticket in the show notes for this episode as well. And we would love to see you there. And of course, at the Latino Travel Summit, your link with the discount code will be there as well. Vanessa, I think this is a great point to end the main portion of this interview. And at this point, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? I maybe. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. What is one book that you would recommend that people should read? I also have a book club, by the way, that I host. And one of the books that we read there is The Universe Has Your Back. I love that book because it's kind of like makes you believe in like divine guidance and it makes you reevaluate and connect with your ancestors. And I love everything that has to do with connecting with my ancestors. Another book that I'm going to recommend that I'm currently reading, just so I can recommend a travel one, 
is called Just Us by Melissa Balmain. And it's about uh, adventures with your and travels with your mother, uh, mother and daughter travel. It's a beautiful story, by the way, of them just traveling the world together, getting to know each other, because sometimes we don't really know our parents. We knew them as kids, but we don't really know them as humans, as people. And it takes us to become adults to really get to know them. And I always said, when our parents come here as immigrants and they work hard so we can have a better life, how are we paying it back to them? How are we bringing them on the journey that we are on? So that's why I took my mom to China. She came to Spain as well on that trip. After that, she has been with my brothers in multiple cruises and she has been to Mexico. So I just want to bring my mother in that journey with me. And next she wants to go to Dubai, by the way, and I'm going to take her because I'm like, one day she's not going to be here. I won't be able to do this with her. So this book, Just Us, is just like really affirming because this is something that I wanted to do with my mom for a while and reading this book and how they did it is like, oh, I feel like I can do it. I can do a solo trip with just my mother and I and make it about her, not about me. All right, Vanessa, who is one person currently alive today that you've never met that you'd most love to have dinner with? Just you and that person for an evening of dinner and conversation. Well, if anybody knows, <laughs> I have an obsession with J-Lo that you don't understand. <laughs> that woman is such a fighter. She's incredibly inspiring. She works really, really hard. And I just feel like as a Latina, she is the epitome of the American dream, which is like coming here, working hard, making a living the life of your dreams and just inspiring people along the way. That's who I want to be. She represents to me who I want to be, a person who lives a good life and inspires other people in the process. All right, Vanessa, knowing everything that you know now, if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Vanessa? I will say be more vulnerable and connect with more people because I was very closed off. Even in college, I was very closed off, very timid, very, I mean, now I am all opened. <laughs> but I wish back then I would have been because I think I would have experienced life a little bit differently. But then again, everything happens for a reason, right? All right. Vanessa, of all the places you have now traveled, what are three of your favorite destinations you would most recommend other people should definitely check out? Absolutely, Mexico. Hell, Mexico, Lord Jesus. Beautiful. I love Mexico. I will go back in a heartbeat. I most likely will retire there. Second destination. Well, I always select this destination because I go so many times and I love it so much. Spain. <laughs> My third favorite, I mean, Antarctica, of course, is up there. It's like the trip of a lifetime. Of course, if you can in your lifetime, go there. Absolutely go there. All right, Vanessa, what are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you have not yet been highest on your list you'd most love to see. I want to go to Rwanda because I want to go gorilla trekking. That's one. Two, I want to go to the Stan countries like Turkmenistan. All of those. I want to go, but I want to go solo. I really want to immerse myself in the culture that is completely different from mine, where they don't speak my language at all. 
and, and just see what that is like, experience it. So that, and the other country that I want to go, I've always, which is going to sound insane because it's right there. I've always wanted to go to Peru and I still haven't been able to go to. I've planned that trip so many times. I've even applied for teacher scholarships to go and I've never been able to go. All right. Vanessa, last question. What advice would you give to Latino and Latina travelers today that might be at the earlier stage of their travel journey? I will say find community because sometimes our family stops us from doing what we want to do. They are the first ones to tell you that this country is falling apart, whatever you're traveling to, don't go there. And they're the first one to scare you just because they have never experienced that before. So find other people that are going to inspire you and provide you with resources and tips on how to be safe, how to travel well, and how to be confident about traveling. Because sometimes you can't rely on family. Unfortunately. <laughs> and come to the Latino Travel Fest in New Jersey in May. We are going to link it up in the show notes again, folks. We're going to put the discount code there so you can go grab that and come hang out with an amazing community. Vanessa, I want you to let folks know how they can find you, follow you on social media, get involved with your communities and learn more about what you're up to. How do you want folks to come into your world? I post the most on my Instagram. So follow me at Latina World Traveler. So it's very similar to my community, Latina World Traveler. And they, I post my experiences there. I'm very active on stories. All right. We're going to link everything up in the show notes that we have talked about, how you can find and follow Vanessa, how you can get more information about the Latino Travel Fest, get your discount, learn about her communities and all of the recommendations she has made on this episode. Everything is going to be linked up in one place. Just go to themaverickshow.com. Go to the show notes for this episode. Vanessa, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Matt. This was a wonderful experience. You're so great. Well, I am also super excited about hanging out in person again, hopefully multiple times this year in different cities. It is always a blast. I think you're amazing. I think you're doing amazing things. And it was great to have you on the show, Vanessa. So thank you for being here and good night, everybody. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a final reminder to subscribe to the Maverick Show's Monday Minute email newsletter. No long articles here, just three bullet points that I put together for you and drop into your email inbox every Monday that you can consume in under 60 seconds. You can subscribe at themaverickshow.com slash newsletter. Again, that's themaverickshow.com slash newsletter. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you buy cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. 
Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber. To get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals, schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook. Before you take off, just a final reminder that this episode was sponsored by the award-winning digital marketing agency, Galactic Fed, and they're offering you a completely free marketing plan for your business. You can grab that at galacticfed.com. That's galacticfed.com. And if you do decide to work with them, just mention The Maverick Show and you'll get 10% off your first month of services. You can grab that free marketing plan and learn more at galacticfed.com. That's galacticfed.com.